I'll never forget the time, and, and this is, you know, this is one of one of my more vulnerable stories, I guess, I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, but I was helping out in kids ministry, and just after graduating high school, I was rough, I was unkept, I didn't have a lot of good guidance or direction uh, in my life, and I had made a lot of bad decisions. Um, but after, after, after youth group, I didn't know what to do, right? I, you graduate high school, and it's like, now what? And so they said they needed help over in their kids ministry, and so I started helping out. Well, pretty soon the church hired a kid's pastor. Now, this guy would become amazing. His name is Pastor Jim, and, and he became like a dad to me, as a matter of fact. And I attribute a lot of the man that I am today to him. And that might be good, that might be bad, I don't know. <laughs> but I'll, I'll never forget when a story got back to me over the, over the grapevine, is when he was hired and he was brought on, the story that was told of me was, uh, they said, hey, there's this guy, he's been helping out, his name is Mark. Uh, he's very unimportant, and you can get rid of him anytime you want to. Don't feel like you got to hold on to him. And uh, boy, that really hurt. You know, that, that really struck a nerve with me because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was the first person to tell you that. I don't know what I'm doing. But at the same time, I felt so worthless when I heard that story, when that got back to me, that this person who was a pastor in the youth ministry would say that about me. I felt so completely worthless. You know, and, and that, that really hurt. Well, hey, I, I am Mark, and I am okay. Well, if no one's told you this today, I'll be the first to tell you. You are not disposable. Your life has great value to God. And isn't that the theme in today's Bible story, that, that they brought out a woman who they thought, for all intents and purposes, has no value. But Jesus rewrote the story because she has great value to God. And so, as you know, we're, we're, we're here in the book of John, and I'm looking down here at John chapter 8. The scribes, down here at verse 3, says, The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Now, I want you to remember that point. It's very important. She was caught in the act of adultery. And now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women, or so they say. So what do you say? And, and they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And then Jesus begins to write right in the dirt and in the ground. And we'll come back to that. But there's a few important observations as we start looking at this story and we start considering this woman. First of all, Jesus loved her. One of the things that I noticed is, is number one, they, they bring out this woman and there's multiple witnesses who are privied to the crime that she has committed. Now think about that for a moment. The Old Testament, it says in multiple places in Deuteronomy chapter 17 and in Deuteronomy chapter 13 are good examples where any crime has to be, um, has, ha, ha, you have to have two or three witnesses or more. But it says that no crime can be established on the testimony of only one witness. So this was one person, and this one person, it couldn't be one person, it had to be more and more people, right? It had to be established with two or three witnesses. And so that means that these people, they had to have known that this crime was going to be committed and they had to have allowed it to happen. Boy, I'm reminded of Genesis uh, chapter three at the fall when the serpent tempts Eve and Eve eats it. But Adam is right there because she turns and gives it to Adam, doesn't she? And yet, um, right? And, and, and yet it's like Adam just allows the whole thing to happen, right? It's like, where's Adam in all of this? You know, why didn't Adam stop Eve? He was right there. He could have said, no, Eve, don't. But he doesn't. He stands there quietly. In the same way, these witnesses probably knew this was going to happen and waited for it to happen so they could grab her and bring her before Jesus. So that's thing number one is we have got uncompassionate, dishonest witnesses. Thing number two is in all of this, where is the lover? 
You see, by Old Testament law, she's not the only one, but in Old Testament law, the lover would have been stoned as well. So that is the second thing, right? And the third thing is the fact that they literally have zero compassion on this woman because they brought this out in the most public way possible. They could have pulled Jesus aside and had Jesus weigh in on this and, 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 and you know, in, in a deal, but no, they, they get this whole mob, this whole crowd to publicly shame this woman. I mean, think about these three facts, right? Number one, you have witnesses that lied in wait for this to happen because how else would they have known it was gonna happen unless they knew it was gonna happen? Thing number two, you have the guy getting off scot-free. And thing number three, you have it done in a way to cause public shame and humiliation for the woman. And what does Jesus do? He begins to write on the dust on the ground. Now, a lot of different people speculate about what Jesus may have been writing, but he says, but he says some interesting things. I, I, I like this verse, and, and this verse kind of makes me think of it. It's in, in Jeremiah chapter 17. And I'm looking down here at verse 13, it says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth or, or written in the dust, some versions will say. They have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of the living water. You see, I think what happens in this story is Jesus is reminding these people, these who are being really false witnesses, they're setting this girl up and he's reminding them that they have forsaken the Lord in their lying to get, the, to, to, to get what they want, to trap Jesus, right? They are about to, for all intents and purposes, become murderers, right? They have forgotten the Lord and their names are written in the dust. This means that God knows, right? God knows, God knows their sin. God knows what they're doing. And one by one, the people drop their stones and begin to walk away. Now, Jesus says something very interesting here. Now, Jesus says something very interesting. Jesus stood up and says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now that's an important part. You see, a lot of people wanna take this passage and kind of twist it to say that Jesus was refusing to judge, right? Well, that's not the case here at all. Jesus simply says that I am not passing judgment on you. You have an opportunity to repent, to turn from your sin. Go and sin no more. Jesus didn't say, go, well, go, go back to what you were doing. You did sleep with somebody else after all. But Jesus says to stop doing it, to repent and to turn from your sin. And that's the good news of the gospel. You know, Jesus is not looking at you today and he's not going to excuse your sin, but neither is, is are, are you Apart from the forgiveness of Christ, God loves you. He will forgive you today. And what's he say to you? Go and sin no more. Ah, church, let's try and do that. Hey, thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.